We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Bears fans, welcome to the Bear Report Podcast Network. Uh, my name is Andrew Freeman. I'm joined by USAID Koshal today to uh, break down a, uh, boy, I don't even know how you describe this game, say, but we're, we're recapping the Bears' week one loss to the Green Bay Packers, 38-20, to 20, and man, I'm just, I'm at a loss of words here to kind of describe the just what happened out there. I mean, just embarrassing, um, just abysmal to watch, um, disheartening. Like any negative, you know, adjective to describe, you know, the way this team looked out there today. Like it was, it was a rough game to watch. You said, and um, I, I guess before we we get into the, the weeds of things here, um, how you doing today, man? Um, and and uh, just, I mean, what are your general takeaways from this one? Because this was this was a rough game to watch, and I, I can get. I guess I'll get your initial takeaways first, um, and then. I can kind of do the, the breakdown of this game, of this thing, I guess. But yeah, just you said, how are we doing? You know, I'm doing well. It is a kind of an outcome that I want to say I expected, but I also didn't expect it. If you know any of our listeners have listened to you and I on the Picks for Polls podcast, and you check out the staff picks that come out on the Bear Report website each week, I mean, every one of us had the Bears winning in some capacity, right? I had the Bears going plus 10, winning 24 to 14. And at one point in the game, the score was absolutely the other way around. But it's just very clear that this game, there's such a stark contrast between these two teams in terms of where they're at, no matter who the starting quarterback really is. Yeah, I mean this this is one of those games where you really have to question everything, you know, organizationally. It's it's only week 1, I guess, so you don't want to overreact too much, but the the vibes in this one are just so bad that it really just man, it, it puts a lot of things into question for this team in the short term but also the long-term outlook of this franchise as well. So, I mean, let's just dig into this thing here. First, let's just uh go over the general synopsis or summary of this game. Um, the first half was a close one. Um, you know, went into halftime down 10 6. You know, the Bears, they got the ball first in this one. And unfortunately, they, they they stalled out early on where they tried to go for a fourth down. They had a QB, you know, they had a sneak with Cole Komet, which is kind of a trick play that didn't work. They had a, a QB sneak that didn't work on the first drive of the game. So, for, so right there, um, <laughs> it's, it's not looking great uh, that you can't even get a yard. Uh, with this offensive line that's been kind of revamped and reworked all offseason. And um, right away, they failed the first test of the season. 
there. The Packers go down, they get a touchdown. Jordan Love uh, throws a touchdown pass in the back of the end zone to kind of kick things off. Um, you know, the Bears do respond with a couple of field goals in the next couple of possessions. Um, you know, DJ Moore got his first couple of receptions as a Bear in the second quarter. Um, you know, it looked like the offense was starting to get into a r- little bit of a rhythm during those, you know, two following drives. But after that, like things just really fell apart for this team. Um, the second half, you know, coming out of halftime, it just the bubble burst, really. I mean, you had uh, the Packers on that first drive. They just they go all the way down the field. They had that screen pass to Aaron Jones, which uh, went for like a 50 yard gain. They got him into range to, go, to score a touchdown um, on the very next possession the bears just have an awful <laughs> possession where they they run it twice and then um get nothing out of it and then they're you know forced to punt and get a three and out there the packers then go down on the very next uh, next possession there um and get a big you know big play for a touchdown you know a slant to aaron jones that went for a big play um and then after that like things just it just really fell apart justin fields you know threw a touchdown um well i, I should say like Justin Fields had a fumble in the very next possession. Didn't really result in anything for the Packers. They end up going Fields ends up getting a touchdown on Darnell Mooney later on. But yeah, after that, like it was over after this because Jordan Love goes gets a touchdown in the very next possession. Um, then Justin Fields throw a pick six. And then after that, everything's garbage time, right? So I don't know. It it was just it was just tough to watch. And after that pick six, I was like, all right. I was at a buddy's house watching the game. And when that happened, I was like, all right, I'm getting out of here early. I'm going home. Um, see you later. Let's get on this podcast and break this thing down. And, um, yeah, my initial thoughts you say is that I just felt like watching this thing that, you know, the worst part about this was I don't think Jordan Love or the, you know, the quarterback matchup was kind of the big, you know, storyline going into this game. But really, to me, it wasn't about the quarterback matchup that really determined this outcome of this game. It, it really felt like, you know, the Bears got outclassed from a coaching standpoint in this game, the, the game plan from Luke Getze, um, what Alan Williams was doing on defense, you know, against this Packers defense, it seemed like in the second half of the floor had answers for everything that the bears were doing on that side of the ball. Um, you know, was, was that kind of the vibe that you were getting from this one or am I kind of alone on that? That's certainly the vibe that I got in terms of you look at coaching, you're talking about a head coach who again, has had some turnover on the offensive and defensive staff, but if we're going to be fully honest, I mean, big credit to Joe Barry and his defensive staff for really making the adjustments compared to last year. I think here's what happened is most fans and people aren't going to want to hear this, but sometimes I just love to be provocative regarding this league as well as this team. But most fans, I think, spent all offseason convincing themselves that the Packers were absolutely putrid because Aaron Rodgers was finally gone, because the Bears had a quarterback who, again, showed potential throughout last year and the arrival of DJ Moore and Darno, right, and Nate Davis and Tremaine Edmonds and TJ Edwards. And again, those are all valid concerns. But a lot of people thought that the Packers would just be this organization that was going to limp their way into having to forego Jordan Love as a starting quarterback when really, I mean, the coaching staff made all the big difference in the world. And this just goes to show that. You know, it wasn't just the last few years in Green Bay. Did one guy get all the attention? Yes. But 
if we're going to be fully honest, I mean, the Packers came out and they played like a well-oiled machine, whereas the Bears absolutely did not. And again, you can sit here and play devil's advocate and kind of say, well, you know, the Packers, I'm sorry, the Bears have like 10 to 11 new starters on both sides of football between the offense and defense. These are guys that really haven't played together in regular season games. You know, it's not all on the quarterback. It's byproduct of the talent around the quarterback that just did not perform well enough like that's fine you can make those statements but also at the end of the day like you had one coaching staff that went into this thing with a game plan that they stuck to and they made the adjustments and they were fully prepared compared to another coaching staff that didn't necessarily make the adjustments it became very clear and apparent that they got too cute which i just think we need to stop using the term too cute and just have to start saying that sometimes coaching staffs at this level just continue to force things instead of being adaptive and innovative i mean there was a point where during the game i was thinking to myself that guess what this is a team where if you want to know what this offense can be and what you have to do to get this offense going, go back and watch that week seven Monday night game against the New England Patriots from last season to get an idea of what this offense needs to be. Now, I will also say this final point being devil's advocate is if this was any other team, right? on the schedule, whether it was Detroit, whether it was Minnesota, whether it was Tampa Bay or the Broncos, whoever else the Bears play this year, and the Bears end up losing, we're sitting here, people are on social media, people are going to talk about how it's just one game, it's a long season, there were good things, there were bad things. But the reason that this loss is as bad as it is, and the reason it gets so overblown, is simply because you did lose to the Green Bay Packers, who you have not beaten since 2018, who effectively come into your house year after year after year and beat you on the national stage, whether it's Sunday night or Fox Sports, whatever it is. And then what happens is, you know, it's back to the drawing board. Everyone just wants to say, well, the Packers this, the Packers that. Where in reality, it's just like, you know what? Look at your own organization and how they've failed consistently year after year after year to build a team that is going to be able to beat the Green Bay Packers. And the reality is very simple. It's like my brother, I was texting with him back and forth today, and he made a really good point that I agreed with. He's just like, look, it's so sad how a lot of people – got overly hyped the Bears could finally beat the Packers when Aaron Rodgers was out of the division and again you know my brother is not wrong at all because this was a showing that you look at and you absolutely say you know what it's it's gonna sting for a long time and regardless of how this season plays out the Bears could end up winning the Super Bowl and that is the only reason that people would even remotely forget about this loss but if they win whatever 10-11 games make the playoffs exit in the divisional round, this loss is still going to be one that everyone looks at and says things could have been so much more different because it was a momentum builder at the end of the day and the Bears didn't get it done. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, you make a great point. I think this hurt. This loss does hurt a lot because of the fact that it is Green Bay and you have all that hype going into this thing, you know, where the both fan bases on Twitter are going back and forth. We know how, you know, fans, these fan bases can get after each other with the trash talking, even though like <laughs> for three decades, the Packers have had, you know, the, 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 I don't know what you want to call it. Uh, they've had bragging rights for this rivalry for such a long time that I don't know why Bears fans are talk, talking trash at this point. We have nothing there's nothing that Bears fans, you know, can say at this point um, that, you know, can put them, give them any advantage here because the Packers consistently have proven that they're the better organization, you know, top down. They have the better talent. They put together better teams. They're better coached. And that all showed in this game. Like, I just, I mean, let's just get into, like, you mentioned, like, you know, the organizational failures. Let's, let's talk about those because I think a lot of, and again, it's week one. You don't want to overreact. And I, and I think a lot of the reason why we're putting this team on blast today is because of the fact that it is Packers, like you said. But, I mean, let's just look at things right here with what we saw. Like, from a coaching standpoint, I thought Luke Getze's game plan was a hapless mess. You know, how many times did they run the ball on early downs instead of trying to find ways to, you know, get themselves in passing situations to where they can air it out a little bit and utilize DJ Moore in the passing game and utilize uh, Darnell Mooney in the passing game. You know, two guys that are very good in the deep to intermediate part of the field, and you're just not using that aspect of what they can do, right? Instead, you're running the ball, even though it, clearly their offensive line is getting outplayed up front by the Packers' defensive line. Um, and then all the screens they had in this game, I, I couldn't tell you how many screen passes they had that di- just didn't work in this game and what made it worse after a while was that you could tell that the green Bay defense knew when these plays were coming and they were all over them, you know, right at the, right at the outset. Right. So it clearly shows to me that Getsy is not doing a great job of disguising his play calls in a way or um, sequencing, sequencing his play calls so that they're unexpected, right? It's very predictable. You can tell what he's going to call a run play. You can tell when he's going to call a screen play. You know when he's going to call a drop back passing play. And the Packers were just all over that. I think some of that is probably because Getze had all that time working under the Packers. So they know his tendencies very well from um, his time coaching there. But at some point, you got to adapt. Like, like where were the quarterback runs that we saw last year for Justin Fields where um, – you know, they would do creative things to kind of get him out in space and get him big plays, explosive plays in the running game. You know, where was that stuff in this game? They really didn't mix that in, right? It felt like they tried to scale things back on that end to not make it as gimmicky. And in the process, they ended up limiting themselves because they took away probably the best asset that Justin Fields has right now, the two best assets he has right now, which is his mobility, his rushing ability, and his deep passing ability. And both of those things they did not utilize today. They tried to make this a you know, short passing game, get the ball out quick, run the ball type of game plan. It just wasn't going to work. And I get it. Like the offensive line, you know, they clearly weren't 
ready to take on this defensive line that the Packers had, this pass rush that, that really started to get after Justin Fields when they did have to pass the ball a little bit more. But at the same time, man, like at some point you can't coach scared in this league. You got to coach with some aggression here. You got to put everything on the table and say, look, we believe in our guys. We got to go out there and just make plays and execute. And they just did not do that today. They played scared from the outset and that kind of reverberated throughout the entire game because the players, it felt like early on, they did not have a lot of energy. And, and that's the thing about this game is that, you know, the second year of this regime here, right? Ryan Poles makes a lot of moves in the offseason. This is his team, right? Most of this team is built on his guys that he brought in either through the draft or free agency or trades or all that stuff. And this is supposed to be the game that set the tone for what this team, this franchise is going to look like going forward under Ryan Poles and his, you know, management here. And man, it was just, it, it just wasn't it, man, from the way this, this roster is constructed right now is the defensive line. I couldn't tell you how many times Jordan Love had a clean pocket and had like five seconds to throw with no pressure, right? It was just, they couldn't get after the quarterback whatsoever. They couldn't stop the run when they needed to. Like the backers got multiple big gashes in the run game. And it felt like in that second half that once they started to go to the run a little bit more, that there's nothing the Bears could do to answer that. Um, and that just made things <laughs> – you just knew, like, once that started to happen, like, okay, this this thing is getting out of hand right here, right? So, yeah, it's just a frustrating loss. You, you could just see that um, nothing was working on both sides of the ball, and that's really what makes it frustrating is that let's just – shifting the conversation to the quarterbacks here. Um, you know, again, like I said, a lot of the hype of this game was the matchup between Jordan Love and, and Justin Fields, but it really, it really didn't feel like – either quarterback played a big role in the outcome. It felt like even if Justin Fields had, and I don't think Justin Fields had a great game today, like especially in the second half when he got, the Bears got down, he started to press a little bit and, you know, made some really bad turnovers, really bad mistakes late in this game. Um, But, you know, I thought Justin Fields had a solid first half and the Bears weren't able to score because the rest of this offense just wasn't working. The game plan just wasn't it. Meanwhile, Jordan Love, I thought he was like, average at best and he goes out there and his stat line it makes it look like he just had like a fantastic game and really i just i really wasn't impressed outside of one throw that jordan love made so um moving on to that quarterback discussion like what were your thoughts on on fields performances and you know what did you see out of jordan love today i mean you look at the way that both of these quarterbacks played and you're effectively talking about guys who again, are not top, even top 15 quarterbacks by any stretch as of right now. Now, things can certainly change. It's like I mentioned before, it is an incredibly long season, but it's also just so important to be conscious of how many times the Green Bay defense set the Packers offense up for success, which, again, give credit to Jordan Love because he did take advantage of that. And then even Justin Fields, you could just tell that this was this incredibly structured game plan, which, if we're going to be honest, I mean, and I've said this multiple times over the last three years, right? Dating back to 2020 when you and I were on this podcast talking about how Justin Fields is the type of quarterback where structure is just not his thing at all, right? Like there's a handful of quarterbacks around the league, like a Josh Allen, a Jalen Hurts, a Justin Fields, 
I would even tend to go ahead and throw in Patrick Mahomes to that conversation where, you know, structuring things has never really been their thing and that you kind of have to have this like semi-spontaneous game plan for them to be able to go out and execute. But you talk about being aggressive and aggressive is Justin Fields real sort of mentality, right? He wants to rip the ball every single time and have that, you know, 40, 50, 60 yard game. But the Bears were too realistic in this game. And when they did get aggressive, it just was not the right time to get aggressive. Take case in point that first drive. You have a team that, again, marches down the field and it's like fourth and one, fourth and two, you know, direct snap to commit fails on third and one. And all of a sudden you're facing a fourth and one. At that point, it's kind of just like just punt the football away simply because you effectively gave Green Bay an incredibly short field to work with, which, again, there's two things to look at with that. It's execution, but it's also just a bad decision by the coaching staff. And, you know, really that first drive, you could tell that the quick game was working to get Justin into a rhythm. And I thought when the Bears were going kind of quick game, they they really got the most out of Justin Fields. There was some growth as a passer from him today, but again, it wasn't necessarily the growth that anybody anticipated. And if we're going to be quite honest, I mean, it was always unrealistic to expect him to come out and to throw, you know, four to, well, I shouldn't even say 400 yards, but like 250 to 300 yards when and have four to five passing touchdowns. I mean, those types of performances, you know, some of the top quarterbacks in this league don't even do week in and week out. But, I mean, you look at both of these guys, and it was very clear that you had two young Ross starters on both sides of the football. Now, case in point with Jordan Love, you saw a lot of confidence. You saw a lot of poise and you just saw a guy who if I was to sum it up was a point guard more than anything else that knew how to use the resources around him another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where Bank of America can help for your financial to-dos Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, I guess if there's anything I'll disagree with you there is that like in year three for Justin Fields, I think we should be expecting more in terms of, you know, the gaudy passing numbers and him um, being able to go out there and put up those, you know, high yardage games like like even in this game like he wasn't even able to get like, he barely got over 200 yards passing in this game and a lot of that was in garbage time now some of that is because Luke Getzi like refused to throw the football for the first three quarters of this game basically which is just mind-numbing since they were down the entire time and the run game just wasn't working the screen game wasn't working so I don't know why you don't try to like air it out a little bit and, and see you know actually utilize Justin Fields strengths uh, which is his downfield passing ability. But, yeah, I mean, I, I thought Fields, he looked solid in the first half for me. He was making good decisions. He was getting to his checkdowns. He was going through his progressions. He was getting the ball out, you know, reasonably well on time. But it felt like in the second half when, you know, things started to go haywire for the Bears that he did start to press a little bit. He did start to force things. And that's what we saw at the fumble, like him just trying to make a play that wasn't there. Um, you know, trying to get out of the pocket and just being loose with ball security. And then the pick six is just, that's one of those mistakes where you can look at, you know, especially out of context and say like in year three, 
you cannot be making those mistakes, right? Because he was staring down a receiver the entire time. Um, there were two Packers in the air, and he just threw it straight to Quay Walker. Um, that's just something you can't do, right? Um, but, yeah, those were two, again, two egregious mistakes. But, again, everything, again, before that, I thought he was playing a solid game. And I thought he looked like the better quarterback of the two. But those are back-breaking mistakes you can't make. And it does stink that I felt like after a while that mentally he kind of just shut down. And, you know, the pressure that the Packers were getting on him got to him. The pressure of having to keep up um, with the Packers offense got to him and he started to press things. And that's where we started to see him start to fall into some of his bad habits. So will I say that this is a positive game for his development? I don't think so. I think we saw some good, some bad. Ultimately, we need more of a sample size on Justin Fields and whether, you know, because this year really is about determining whether he's the guy moving forward. We're going to need to see more evidence moving forward. Now for Love, you know, he made like one really impressive throw on that touchdown. Um, I think it, it was the jump ball touchdown. I forgot who he threw to. I think it was Dubs. I think he threw the touchdown to, but I don't know. I just, all I'll say on Jordan Love, this is not a Packers podcast, but all I'll say on Jordan Love, and I'm trying to be as objective as possible here, is that I, I don't really fear his prospects of being the next, you know, Aaron Rodgers or, or continuing that Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre legacy. I'll just say that. Like, I thought he was, I thought he made a couple of nice plays, but it's also like when you have the bears pass rush that doesn't get any pressure on you and you have numerous like mistakes in the back end where um, there's numerous coverage busts going on where guys are wide open. Like, I don't know. There's, there's, there's not a ton I can say for Jordan Love. There are a couple of throws where I think, you know, he wish he probably had back a couple of plays that, you know, the Bears could have capitalized for turnovers out there. I don't know. I thought it was a pretty mid-performance overall, but the Bears' defense is so bad, they still gave up 38 points on him, which is or 31 points on him, technically, which is just really speaks to them. All right, um, let's wrap things up here by getting to um, three players stock up and three players stock down. Um, so you say, I'll start with you. Who are your three guys that you're going? Let's start positive here. Um, who are your three stock up players from this game? Yeah, it's hard to sit here and say, hey, stock up, right? But number one, I think the anonymous choice for everybody at this point should be Roshan Johnson. You look at kind of what he did coming into the game in the second half, the one big hit he had on the Packers defender, I believe it was Rayshon Nixon, just absolutely trucking him over. I mean, that is the type of play that makes you go ahead and say, why the hell was Roshan Johnson not starting? from the beginning, knowing that he is the best running back on this team. And if you follow along with the Bear Report live VIP game chats, which I highly recommend you do because it's a chance to talk to fans that have subscribed to the site, but also just, you know, some of the publishers and writers in general. That is one thing that I put in that chat. So going into week two, the expectation is that some of the changes that need to be cleaned up are that we see Roshan Johnson in the backfield, more Roshan, less of Khalil Herbert. And then you look at, you know, two other guys in terms of stock up. It's really difficult to sit here and say, right? Because it was something where everyone struggled to some extent, but I will say, you know, Tyreek Stevenson along with Tremaine Edmonds played really solid games. I mean, Tyreek Stevenson, Granted, he's a rookie. He was still flying around and trying to do everything that he could, including filling those run lanes. And then you look at Tremaine Edmonds as well, who 
his size really sticks out in that Bears defense, right? You saw why the Bears believe he's the perfect Mike in this Eberflus 4-3 cover 2 scheme. But ultimately, what it comes down to is Tremaine was flying around today, making as many plays as he could. You know, and on a young team and a young roster, he is one of the more experienced guys that, quite frankly, after a loss like this, you need to look to in order to get things moving in the right direction. Yeah, for me, Roshan was one of my stock-up players as well. I thought he played a really solid game, and I think he needs more carries, more targets moving forward. Like, he only had five carries for 20 yards and a touchdown. He also had six receptions for 35 yards. One of them could have been a touchdown, but it got called back. Um, well, it wasn't called back, I should say, but he, he did just barely stop out of bounds before getting in. It was a great effort by him. I thought the rookie looked pretty impressive. I thought he had a pretty solid outing overall. Um, my other stock of players, Darnell Mooney, like, um, you know, didn't have a ton of an impact on this game. He only had, but he led the team with receiving four receptions for 53 yards. He had the one touchdown, you know, him and, and field still have that connection, um, still. And it was nice to see that because, you know, it, he was injured going into this, um, training camp, you know, kind of got off to a slow start in training camp from the days that I was there. Um, this is a big year for him going to a contract year. And he looked, he looked like, you know, quintessential of Darnell Mooney, right? Like he looked pretty solid there. So it was nice to see him kind of show up and play. Um, in terms of my other stock up, um, you know, I guess, you know, Yannick Ngakwe got a sack and made a nice tackle for loss in the backfield. I mean, it, there's really not much to say because the rest of this team is just absolute doo-doo. So I guess let's get to the negatives now because now this is, I guess, the fun stuff to get to. So who are your three stock down um, players, coaches, wherever you want to, wherever you want to talk about floors yours, you said. I mean, yeah, stock down is going to go to Luke Getze for, again, just continuing to force things and not necessarily letting his quarterback or his wide receivers, mainly DJ Moore and Darnell Mooney, again, both guys who you just do not really have to structure things for just kind of keeping them handcuffed along with the quarterback and fields. So that's number one stock down. The number two and number three stock down is this is, I mean, Eddie Jackson hands down. I understand he had a quote right after the game, which was, yeah, well, you know, on the first touchdown, I need to go ahead and keep leverage inside. And it's just like, look, dude, you've been in the league for what? Seven, eight years now. You know, that's, a play that you've seen a million freaking times. So there's absolutely zero reason for you to go to the outside hip of the receiver. You should have always been inside hip because inside hip essentially is inside leverage a lot of times. And then the last guy for stock down for me, I mean, at this point, it's it's like a gimme, right? But it's Khalil Herbert, okay? You're talking about a guy who, again, is going into year three doesn't necessarily have the home run hitting ability nor the pass catching skills to be an effective every down back. He's just better off being a guy who you put in over rotation. And he is certainly not the type of player that you can run north south between the tackles because he's just not the bruiser that Roshan Johnson or Deontay Foreman are. So for Herbert at this point, like, the script's already written for the next for this year as well as next year. He's not going to go ahead and not going to get a second contract in Chicago. And it's just because you're seeing the limited skill set. Again, the same stuff that was an issue coming out of Virginia Tech play into year three for him. 
Yeah, for me, I mean, you talk about Luke Getze being a stock down for you. I'm just going to say the entire coaching staff. And I talk about Luke Getze, like I'll just get my short thoughts out here because I talked about him enough. But the game plan was bad. He didn't adjust. Um, you know, he didn't take advantage of any of his players' you know, abilities. Didn't get DJ more involved in the game plan whatsoever. Didn't even try to, like, scheme him up a lot of targets either. Um, just a very bland game plan. Um, and it's just the usual what we've seen from Getze, right? Like, too reliant on the run game um, to get offense going. Too many screen calls that don't work. Um, and just a lot of predictable stuff that the opposing defense is able to key on. <clears throat> and yeah, overall, just not a fan there. But also, I mean, you have to shout out the defensive coaching as well, because again, Jordan Love didn't really have to do anything in this game. He had all day to throw the Bears coaching staff, whether it's Matt Eberflus in charge of the defensive game planning or Allen Williams, like whoever it is that's, you know, in charge of the, like it. I get that Alan Williams is the defensive coordinator. He's calling the shots here in, in game, but this is Matt Eberflus's defense. He's a defensive-minded head coach, right? You know, you would think that out of all these units at the defense by now in his second year is starting to be turning the tor- corner. They've added talent. They got the linebackers that apparently Matt Eberflus craves so much. They've spent all these resources in the secondary to make this a better unit, right? Um, they added a whole new defensive line this year. Why aren't we seeing any results from this defense? And it looked, the defense looked just as bad as it was last year. You know, they couldn't get after the quarterback. I don't know how many four-man rushes we saw that did absolutely nothing in this game on third down, where Jordan Love, again, like I said, had all day to throw, had no pressure facing him all day. And on the few times that Jordan Love did face pressure or there was a blitz call, he wilted. He, he, he came up short. So, like, why weren't you calling more of that stuff? And it's not like you can say that you're afraid of the Packers receivers because Christian Watson wasn't playing. Jaden Reed went down with an injury um, later on in the game in this one. And there's really, again, it's all a lot, a lot of young guys in this Packers receiving core. Why not try to test those guys a bit? You spent all these resources in the secondary. Get a little bit aggressive. Get in their face a little bit. Do some man-on-man defense. Like, don't be afraid, you know, to be uncomfortable. I know that Iberflus' scheme is, you know, built on the Tampa 2 and, um, you know, zone principles and all that stuff and, and the hits principles. But at some point, man, you you got to actually go out there and play some real defense and get in their face a little bit and make things uncomfortable for the opposing offense. And it just felt like, you know, they did nothing to really alter um, the Packers game plan. It felt like Matt LaFleur, you know, was just had his, had his hands all over this game in the second half, especially. He just knew every call to make to kind of expose – this defense and it worked out that way. Uh, my second stock down, Chase Claypool. I'm so tired of talking about this guy. Like I, all the hype from training camp, and he goes out there and he does what Chase Claypool does, which is not make much of an impact. And I and again, I I tried not to be too negative on Claypool going into the year because I was not a fan of the trade when they made it at the time. He he definitely proved me right last year during his limited time, but I was willing to give him a chance going into this year. He had a strong start to training camp. And these are the type of performances that just just don't get me excited about Claypool, right? He had a couple drops in this game, zero catches, zero yards receiving. He, you know, had a couple bad blocks on a couple screen passes that blew up plays that didn't work. Um, there were a couple instances where I noticed him just whining on the field when for not getting the ball or not getting a target going his way. Like, this is the Chase Claypool experience. The idea, and this is the meme that's been going on right on Twitter right now, which I think is pretty accurate, but the idea of Chase Claypool is a lot 
more significant or better than the actual what you actually get from Chase Claypool. And this game was another example of it. I'm tired of Bears fans talking this guy up. This is who he is. He's a ton. He's, he has a ton of talent, but at the end of the day, there's just something there that doesn't click with this guy. And I'm just, it, I think at this point, I, I don't want to overreact too much, but again, I said at the time, but I just felt like this was a, a bad trade by polls. It was a bad move to make. And so far Chase Claypool has done nothing in games that actually matter to prove me wrong on this. So until we see improvement there, like, I don't know, like Chase Claypool just, wasn't it for me today. And then, um, you know, the last stock down for me, I could say both sides of the trenches, but my stock for the defensive line was so low that I can't really say it's a stock down there. They played about as bad as I thought they would, but stock down the offensive line. And I thought it was hilarious when uh, Jeff at the, at the bears blog tweeted this out there earlier in the week where he said that apparently like the bears internally feel really good about their offensive line. Um, but had some concerns about their D line. Well, if they were right about the defensive line, they definitely weren't right about the offensive line. And clearly going up against this this porous defensive line every day in practice has this coaching staff thinking they're a lot better than they are on this offensive unit because they couldn't pass protect in true passing uh, sets um, situations. They couldn't run the ball in this game. The Packers just absolutely dominated them up front from start to finish. Um, you know, Darnell Wright, he, had, he took some lumps as a rookie, which – we knew it was going to happen. It's what that happens with a lot of these rookie offensive tackles. Um, Braxton Jones had a pretty rough game, in my opinion, just on first viewing. And then this interior group, like it's it's gone through a lot of injuries and, and turnover right now, but did not play a strong game either. So that's my stock up, stock down. And um, so yeah, I guess before we get out of here, you say we're going on thirty minutes now. I think it's time to wrap it up here. Um, any any final thoughts before we close things out? Yeah, I mean. You know, last thing I'll say is this, and I'm going to say this throughout the week leading up to the Tampa game, is that it is a long season, so just stick with the generic saying of it's not about how you start, but how you finish. And this is a team, again, you know, they will continue to make strides, but it is an incredibly critical week coming up for the Bears, especially because if they can kind of figure things out and turn things around, I mean, it's going to be a season where you don't have to make the playoffs or win the damn Super Bowl, but what you can do is just be competitive enough to the point where next year going into next year, you are talking about taking that legitimate step forward towards becoming one of the best teams in the league this year is just kind of a hey continue to build out your identity because the gm has made it clear that he wants a long-term winner here in chicago yeah at the end of the day again it's week one i don't want to overreact too much but it is tough when you're losing and getting boat raced by the Packers like year after year. It's just frustrating. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is a game that I think all of us were looking forward to or dreading, depending on your perspective. And it just didn't work out for the, for the bears today. You know, obviously I'm, I'm heated. I'm not really happy about the way this team performed. I don't think none of us are happy about the way this team performed um, today, but like you said, it's a long season, you know, they have 16 games left and ultimately like, they're going to have to turn this thing around. Otherwise there are going to be some serious questions about, you know, what not only the players in this roster, but what this organization is going to do under this regime from a GM to coaching staff and all the way on down. But I don't want to get into that conversation right now. I I think it's time to just 
do a send off here and I'll just say like for all of our listeners out there, make sure to like rate, subscribe to us at the Bearport podcast. Also at the picks for polls as well um, for our podcast over there. Um, you say, where can our listeners find you on social media and find your work? Yeah. You can follow me on social media at Usaid Koshal. Check out my work on the Bear Report websites. All right. As for me, you can follow me on Twitter at AJ from 25. You can find my work on the bear report as well. Make sure to keep an eye out for my track in the trenches. It's going to be having my first one coming out later on this week. Um, should be a lot of fun. Well, I don't know if fun's the right word, but it should be interesting to get into the film here um, and getting a second look at these guys. But until next time, bears fan, um, I guess time to regroup and look forward to greener pastures next week, hopefully. But until next time, um, have yourself a good rest of your Sunday and bear down Bears fans. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.